Welcome to the Lowdown. It's Alan Mitchell along with uh, my friend Declan Kruger, who you'll hear in just a couple of moments. He's warming up in the background. Me, 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 me. We're going to talk about the Oilers today. They have some tough decisions to make. And if they walk Raphael Lavoie, who had a power forward move in the couple of hits last night, I'm going to tell you they're making a big, dumb mistake. I don't think it'll happen. Now, they might trade him, but they're not going to waive him. That's my feeling on the issue. Uh, we'll walk through uh, the entire roster of the Oilers. We'll also talk about the Jays. They could clinch, I believe it's tomorrow night, if everything broke perfectly. And if they win, I think, four games, no matter what anybody else does, they will be in. We're close. And we will talk to Rob Longley from the Toronto Star about the Jays. Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic will talk about the Oilers, bubble players, lines and pairings in an interview he did uh, it's up now at the athletic with vincent deharnay it's very interesting he's a he's a thoughtful fellow he's a gentle giant with a big brain now i'm not saying that's rare but it is in the interview with daniel you can reach us at sports 1440.ca iheart radio radio player canada text or call us 1-833-401-1440 that's 1-833-401-1440 I'm just waving at my friend Susan right now, uh, who's walking by. This is so cool because we're live. And, you know, at my age, being live is good. You can reach us at Twitter at Low Tide and Declan Kruger. The Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. And with that, we say a hearty hello to our friend Declan. How are you, buddy? I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm doing Good. great. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to be here as always. It's, What's uh, happening always in your life, Declan? Are you getting haircuts? Are you buying new clothing? Ooh, What's going on? It's funny you say that. I need a haircut badly. I really do. Didn't want to um, say anything. You could. You could tell. Hey, I mean, I mm-hmm. wear the hat all the time, yeah. so it's. I'm a, I'm a dad, but, so we pay attention to that kind of thing. Um, yeah, need a haircut, but uh, everything's going pretty, pretty, pretty good. I don't have uh, too many complaints about uh, how I'm doing things. So. Now, I want to tell people they were worried about your, your caffeine habit, where you were getting your coffee. You were getting it on the outside. Now you've, you've – you, I don't even know if you're contributing to the fun, but you are drinking station coffee like hell won't have it. Yeah, I'm putting it back pretty good. Um, no real is, – Is the fact that it's free – Helping you? Absolutely. Yeah. If there was like a pot that I had to pay into every day to drink that coffee, no chance. No chance. I mean, I do. I I'll drink. I'll drink like my my regular, you know, pot before I leave the house. What do you I'll mean a pot? Here. How many cups? Uh, I'll drink like a full pot. Like I'll make a full pot and drink that. That's and like four cups. Yeah, about that. Then I'll Declan. come here and I'll drink, drink another two. Declan. Um, but it's good. It keeps me going. If I cut you open, does coffee come out? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like when I don't have it, like I'll like headache, shakes, the whole nine. So uh, that's what happens when you start start drinking coffee at thirteen. Do I prove your parents wrong? You ten years later, twelve years later, you just you're sitting here across from Low Tide, and he's talking about cutting you open. Coffee's pouring out, but at, that's my life. I made the decision, and I'm happy with it. At my peak, and I I I think I was around your age. I lived at West Edmonton Village in the townhouses. We had ESPN, and they would run. I think it was Big Thursday. They'd start on the East Coast with basketball, and they would run. You'd end up in Hawaii at 2 in the morning, and I would come home on Thursday because I had to work Friday, but I could zip through because I was young, and I would come home, and about 10 o'clock at night, I'd make a pot of coffee. What the hell? See, that's the one thing. I can't drink coffee past like 1, 2 p.m. Who would try? But I was there. I was doing it. Because that's how I rolled. Uh, Oilers Jets last night. I know it was a tough game. I don't. I don't know whether you watched it or not, but it was a tough game to watch because the Jets had such a superior lineup. 
But I really liked Raphael Lavoie. Power forward move around the net. Got a couple of, at least one high danger chance. Hit a couple of guys and moved the puck to safety or to a good place. I think he really moved the needle. I, Based on the media I was listening to yesterday, including Jay Woodcroft, I thought if he got on the ice and could skate two strides, it would be an upset. There's a lot of low expectations on Raphael Lavoie. And I'm no expert, but I saw him a lot in Bakersfield. And I think that people are discounting him, maybe even people in the organization. Although, I don't think they'll risk clearing waivers with him. And I, I, I've mentioned the Brandon Davidson story before, but if a team is pretty confident they're going to lose a guy, they'll either try to trade him or they'll find a way to get him on the roster just to give him a little more time to show what he can do. Give him that 250 at-bats or 500 if they can. Dylan Holloway looks ready. He's faster. I, I, I feel like he's more physical. He's certainly healthy. He's has been impressive as impressive as I've seen him. And he was really impressive a year ago, but just as a scorer and he was being set up, now he's really impacting the play. It's like, you know, it's like watching another Warren Fogle, only, if anything, faster, maybe a little more slender. You know, probably looks better in a suit. I don't know where I'm going with this. Broberg looked good. Uh, I I think that he had some wobble here and there, and I know everybody's, apparently it's, Broberg is ahead of Darnell Nurse now on the anger scale, but I think I think Philip Broberg's played well. And my personal favorite, I love him because he's a two-way guy. Reminds me a little bit of Dave Keon. I said the other day, Sean Horkoff. Now I'm on to Dave Keon. But Xavier Borgo does a lot of smart things when he doesn't have the puck. And that includes penalty killing. I worry, though. I'm going to tell you this. I'm a little worried about something. This is just between you and me. Don't tell anybody else. Does anybody? Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, I don't want it to get out. Does anybody remember what happened to Anton Lander? when he came over on the good ship Lollipop from Sweden in his first uh, North American year, the the head coach, and this was, I'm going to say, the year of our Lord, 2011. And the coach was Tom Rennie. And they were, they their penalty kill had been like, like sucky suck for like two or three years since Mac T had left. And Lander was good at penalty killing. And they ended up keeping him when he really had no business being in the National Hockey League. I do think it impacted his career, although foot speed was another issue. And Borgo has that kind of feel because he's good at the penalty kill. And I just wonder, I just wonder in my own mind's eye if Borgo ends up getting called up in the middle of the year just because he's good on the penalty kill and maybe plays as a role player. You don't want to do that. You want him, you'd rather have him playing in the AHL and playing a feature role, power play, penalty kill, and even strength than bringing him in as a specialized player. But you keep that in mind. Hey, you kids out there, remember Xavier Burgo uh, and his penalty killing because I think he's good at it. The problem for the Oilers right now, there are two spots for the following, and there are like five or six names here. Derek Ryan, Sutter, Peterson, Lavoie, Kajula, Ernie. I assume Ryan and Lavoie make it, but what if Sutter or Peterson are too strong? It might come down to a trade or sending out Ryan. Remember when Yanmark got sent out a year ago? And maybe it'll be Yanmark or maybe it'll be Ryan, but I think that is possible. Now it's time, Declan, for us to have our uh, Mr. Blackwell's fashion moment. I think it was Blackwell. Um, What do you think of the Heritage Classic jersey, or as they called it on their Twitter machine, uniform Mm. for the Edmonton Oilers? I expect it left a little to be desired, but I I didn't hate it. 
in the simplest well, terms. Tell, tell, the most... That's not good enough. What did you like and what did you not like about it? <laughs> let me pull it. Let me. Pull I liked the... it all except for one thing. You tell me what you didn't like, and then I'll go. Let me let me pull up the uniforms here so I can give a, uh, a bit better of a description for everybody. Okay. Love the oil drop. Mm-hmm. Love the color scheme. Yeah. Love the orange on the shoulders. Yes. But like I said, it just fe- seems a little bit simplistic to me. It leaves a little to be desired. I don't like the brown pants. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of those... goofy. They don't fit. It's like me dressing myself. It's like, oh, there's low. Oh, what the it hell looks, did he do? It looks a little 1920s baseball-y. I know exactly what you know you're what saying. I'm saying. It looks yeah. a little Honest Wagner. It looks a little. I, I like the Flames one more. I will say that you are going to have to be excommunicated from the city of Edmonton. You don't. You just step off, Buster. The Flames one has continuity to it. Like it actually looks like a uniform. This one looks like like the Oilers, which I do like. Again, like I'm not. It leaves it a little bit desired. I do like it, but it looks like something you throw on when you're going to go play f- baseball with your friends at, at the Sandlot. You are listening to the Lowdown with Low Tide with former producer. Declan Kruger. Am I not wrong? I like I like both of them, but I don't like the brown pants. The I don't only like thing the I don't like is the brown pants. I don't like the brown gloves either. <sighs> I guess you're right. But I mean, what other color would they be? Royal blue would have been pretty cool. Orange. I want I want what I want out of the orders next is the George Jetsoning of one of the uniforms. I want outer space oilers. What? I want uh, yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, I don't. I want seven of nine Oilers. Maybe my biggest thing is maybe I didn't really have enough of an opinion about it to to well, care. I know too that much I had to push way. you. Yeah, and, you know, you kind of were in the middle because now because I thought I was just going to say, you know what, they're okay, left a little to be desired. But now I'm getting a little bit of pushback on it, and I'm starting to think I might have had the wrong answer. It reminds me a little bit of the Edmonton Mercury's, who were a very well known team back in the day before I was born. I like I like the color scheme always. I love the Oilers colors; they're really nice. And I'm colorblind, and so maybe they aren't the colors, but <laughs> they look like if you put Babe Ruth in a hockey sweater. Same air and everything. Mm, yeah. The brown pants gotta go. Like yeah. I I would not be surprised if Connor McDehay just says, "No, we're not doing that." And the Flames, I mean, their model looks little. <laughs> At least McDavid looks like he's about to beat you to death with his stick. But is that Kadri? Yeah, it is. Sorry, I was just taking a look it's at like, it. That is. I it. am completely disinterested in this entire process. It looks like a wax figure of Kadri, actually, <laughs> is what it looks like. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know what he's thinking. Please, baby Jesus, make this moment end. He wants. But, he's thinking he wants to be back in Colorado. Okay, how many Canadian teams make the playoffs in the NHL this year? Want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Uh, well, uh, do you want me to? Yeah, yeah. I always prefer you go first. Okay. Then I mock you openly and give everybody mine. I'm going to say... I'm going to say, I think four get in this year. Well, that I think, sucks. I think the Leafs, Oilers, of course. I think the Sens find a way to get in. And I, I think one of the Flames or Canucks will get in as well. What about the Jets? Oh, sorry. And the Jets. So five. So five. Okay, I have four. I have Oilers, Jets, Sens, Maple Leafs. Okay. And I don't, I don't think the Canucks are, are going to make it, and I don't think Flames are either. I would like the Flames to make it. Uh, I but I don't think they are. Yeah. They, they're, the, the Flames are in that weird spot the Oilers used to be in, which is like they're good, but they're good enough to have the the you know the 14th overall pick, and that means not the playoffs. Yeah, it is that it is that tough middle ground where it's like you're not bad enough to be a bad team, but you're not good enough to be a good team. It's a tough spot for a franchise to be in. 
If the Blue Jays win four of their last six, they're in the postseason, and they could be there tomorrow night at the end of day. And I'm going to ask this question of our guest, Rob Longley from the Toronto Star, but I'm going to ask you first, Drew. If in April you and I were speaking to each other at that time, I don't think we were, would we agree, if, if I said they are where they are now, uh, that this, this would be you know where they are now, would that be acceptable or would that be disappointing or would that be hurrah? I would say, if you told me in April right now they'd be, they'd be where they are, I would be a little underwhelmed but not overly disappointed. So you'd be whelmed? I would be, that's about good enough, but I still expected a tinge more. That's what I would come so to. So it would be the Oilers brown pants. No, 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 completely. Th- those ones I just didn't like. I just okay. want them gone. With the All Jays, right. I'm like, yeah, it, again, it, like I expected a bit. I expected a touch more, okay. but I can't be mad at it. All right. Uh, one other question before we let you, get, you pretend you work over there. NFL. Oh, power, I do work. The power rankings are Miami, San Francisco, Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, Cowboys at the top. Any disagreement there? My, it was Miami, San, San Francisco, Francisco Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, Cowboys. I mean, I, I like it because the Eagles are second in the NFC, and I think that's fair. Yeah. And I don't care about the AFC. I don't have too much of a problem with it. I don't like. I don't like Dallas at that sixth spot. I mean, I know they're two and one, but. You know, Arizona, really? Like, you lost to Josh Dobbs as a starting quarterback. Well, I, I can't love that. But then the question becomes, who do you put in there instead of them? Well, I like that sexy talk where you're putting the Cowboys beyond, like, down farther. That's the good stuff. Right I, the thing is, like, I think the Cowboys realistically probably are about the sixth best team in the NFL. But based on resume alone at this point in the season, I can't put them there. You can't lose to Arizona and still be a top six team. Amen, brother. You're speaking the truth. They may end up 12-5 and five and get there, but not right now. Joe Namath is one of the more compelling interesting people that i have followed as a, an athlete through his entire career and then post career but he he makes it difficult to he's done some, some things and i don't want to get into what he's done on the sidelines everybody knows that and i mean it it makes it difficult to cheer for him because because i like broadway joe was a, like an icon a legend by the time i paid any attention to the nfl and he said i've seen enough of zach wilson he said the Jets made the wrong choice when they drafted him. And I just, I feel like saying, and I, I Joe, Joe Namath, you know, is a, is a person that, I, that I've known my whole life as a, a sports icon. Mm-hmm. I just think he should not talk. Listen, it was a little harsh, but he's right. Kid can't play. Not an NFL level quarterback. I don't even think he's a backup quarterback. It's harsh, and you don't want to hear it from a legend in a market like that, but he was right. I think he shouldn't say it. I, I get, I get. It because he's Joe Namath, and now this kid yes. has to walk around saying, "Hey, Joe Namath hates you." There is a degree of that. Why do old men have to be such jackasses? <sighs> different time, different era. Well, it's it's boring. Yeah. Wow, when I was young, you know, I mean, he might as well just talk about an onion belt. No, it is. Why it, can't it just people be supportive? I agree. It is you an see old, old women walking around being jackasses? No. no. But my one thing I'll say in defense of Joe Namath is this kid was picked second overall, 2021 draft, brought in to be the face of the franchise savior, and he's been there for three years and he can't play football. Well, what, what, He can't throw the ball past 13 yards. What is the? What was the consensus? Was the consensus number two? 
Uh, Trey Lance was a guy who they were thinking about going number two in that draft. Justin hmm. Fields went later in Maybe that draft. Maybe it was a bad draft for quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, Mac was in that draft. He's turned out okay. Um, By the way, I one more item here. The WHL suspended Wenatchee Wild coach Kevin Constantine pending an investigation into alleged violations of WHL regs and policies. The league announced on Monday uh, that has happened before with this individual, and we don't know the specifics of it, but there was a complaint filed, and I would like to file a complaint against Joe Namath. Well, they're coming in hot and heavy on the text line today. I just want to ask, so you do you disagree with him, or do or do you disagree with him, but think it was wrong that he J- said Joe it? Joe Namath, what he said? Yes. I, look, I, I'm going to just confess here. I don't know enough about football to have a strong opinion okay. on him. So you like, think the manner in which he did it was yeah. incorrect? Okay. Uh, Bob That's Gracie correct. did not have a great arm, mm-hmm. but he played for a team that went undefeated. You know, I, you're telling me there's no way Zach Wilson can play uh, in the NFL as a starter, and I believe you, but I don't have that. I don't have that knowledge, so I can't say it. And I just wish that that. Um, J- Broadway Joe would just be Broadway Joe. And oftentimes in his career, he has done things that make me regret that I cheered for him. And I don't think you're, I don't want to call him a hero. It's not like he was Bobby Orr to me. But mm-hmm. I, I just, I think sometimes these athletes are great athletes like he was. I mean, he changed the face of football when the Jets won. I think that it's better to keep your powder dry verbally and just let people not know that you have these strong opinions and that you can ruin uh, a young career just by saying something out loud. Okay, I can meet you completely in the middle ground with that. <laughs> well, that's the aim of the show, is to not be controversial at all. So <laughs> no, good we... job, good effort. All, everybody, big hand, all that's good. All right, uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman in hour number two. We're going to talk about the Oilers. You have lots of comments, but on the way next, Rob Longley from the Toronto Star. We're going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Where are they going? Who's the game one starter in the postseason? That and more. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's Twang Tuesday. I almost said Tang Tuesday. (laughs) Which I I like orange juice, so I would have been there with that as well. On Sports 1440 with Patsy Klein. It's Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger, who found crazy within, I'm going to say, 11 seconds. That was a lickety split move. Well done, sir. And we appreciate your your hard work. Uh, we are now joined talking Toronto Blue Jays and where they're headed and where they've been with Rob Longley from the Toronto Star. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Yeah, I think that might be the theme song for my column today, according to many of the readers that, <laughs> that, that are chiming in, because I essentially said that uh, the Blue Jays have a clear path to the World Series. So maybe people think I'm crazy. Well, but, you know, here's what I would say. I would say you're not wrong, and I think we all sort of feel that way, but you had the, the nerve to, to write it down. But I, I feel like I have um, whiplash for this team because I've, I've – it's not like I'm jumping on and off the bandwagon because I'm not a Jays fan. I'm an Expos fan. But as in terms of being a believer, there were points that I early in the year, I was like, man, this team could take it all. And then for much of the year, and certainly even later in the year, I was like, what is wrong here? And I was yelling at Schneider, and I was wondering what was Vladdy doing at the plate, lunging at pitches. And now here we are, and, it, you know, they – I mean, they could be in the postseason by, I mean, this time – well – 18 hours from now or 20, 30 hours from now. And yet when you look at their pitching staff, you look at what they have and their bench, you're right. They could go very deep. 
Yeah, and part of that, you know, whiplash is probably the perfect expression for this team this season. I'm probably going to steal it now that you mentioned it at some point. But, but really, it's been that kind of a season, right? Just when you get to thinking that they might be uh, gathering a little bit of momentum, they, they go and do the dumb things that they've done with a fair bit of consistency all year. Uh, but I think that the larger point that I was trying to make today was, uh, and it goes along with what you said, and that they do have the pitching staff, and pitching plays well in the, in the postseason, but really, there's there's nobody in that American League now that, that strikes fear into anybody, I would think. Um, you know, the Houston Astros are life and death to make it. They're reigning World Series champions. Baltimore Orioles have had a heck of a season, and by all accounts, they're going to be a, a strong young team for the foreseeable future. But they have some vulnerability as well, especially on the pitching side. Tampa Bay, the Blue Jays went in there and won two or three on the weekend. You get my point. There's, there's nobody in there that sort of – lays over the Blue Jays as heavy favorites. And, and then if you rewind it all the way back to spring training, uh, many people thought that the Blue Jays were World Series contenders at that point. They certainly haven't lived up to it through this whiplash of a regular season. But, um, you know, if they are able to, to continue some of the momentum that they've, they've gathered over the last week or so, uh, they could be a very dangerous team. Well, and there are things coming together. I know if you look at Vladdy's career numbers, it's like he peaked a couple of years ago and he's sliding down. But I, I think six home runs and 15 RBIs in September, something like that, a lot anyway, a couple uh, the other day. And if he gets hot, well, you, you, you know, that, that's, that's worth a couple of wins in a series. Yeah, I don't expect him to be what he was two years ago, but there certainly have been some signs over the last couple of weeks, uh, not just the home runs. He hit, he hit two of them out on Sunday. But if you look at his at-bats a little bit closer, he just his timing seems to be much better. He's not flailing at as many pitches uh, out of the zone as he was earlier on. And it just seems like everything is, is really square again. And, and that was sort of um, what made him a great hitter earlier in his career was obviously he's very talented and obviously he's very strong. But his, his hand-eye and his, and his timing at the plate was, was exceptional. He was as good as anybody in baseball. And while I don't think he's all the way back yet, he's certainly shown some signs that his at-bats are significantly better. And, you know, if he were to suddenly get on a little bit of a streak, um, that would be huge for this team. You know, we all know that pitching tends to dominate in in the postseason, but um, a lot of good offense in the postseason comes from the home run ball. I mean, it's, it's much harder to manufacture runs in the postseason than it is in the regular season, it seems. So, if you can add a little bit of power, as the Blue Jays in general have been doing over the last week or so, and specifically like, like Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been doing, that could be a huge development for this team. In my uh, Rob Longley, our guest from the Toronto Star and Sports 1440, this is my spit your coffee out question, and I don't want you to, but this is the question. Seven and three in their last ten. Was that Texas sweep by the Rangers a turning point, or can we even frame that issue in that way? You know, I think it. I think it had an effect because, um, you know, talking to players after the fact, you know, a couple of days after it ended, you, you could tell that there was a real, it was a real downer for them, and it was a real gathering moment. It's like, okay, what are, what are we here? Are we a team that's going to get swept by, by a Texas team that really doesn't have much of a bullpen and, and and comes into our building and dominates us like that, or are we are we a team that can go on the road and and show that we're we're right in the thick of this playoff spot and and ensure that we control our own destiny. So I think it was, it was a very important moment for, for this team in terms of the way they reacted to it, because 
Um, the way things were going, it certainly looked like uh, like you know missing the playoffs was a strong possibility at the end of that four game series, and and they turned it right around and 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 got hot. They went seven and three over the next ten, as you mentioned, uh, and that that road trip that they just finished, winning two of three at Yankee Stadium and two of three at the Trop in Tampa Bay, where they've always had some trouble. I think that said a lot about this team, and I think this team probably is as confident as they've been at any point this season right now. Matt Chapman hitting like 143 in the last 10 games. Uh, I, like, I I know what he is, uh, but but is, is are there any starters that that are so poor with the wood that even though they have good leather, you might look at tweaking a little bit here uh, just to get a little more power or a little, you know, more on base percentage into that roster every night. You know, I think in a perfect world, you would ha- you would have an option. Uh, it's certainly not going to happen with this team, I don't think, because uh, Chapman is a real leader in that clubhouse and, and he's an important part of this team. And what he does with the leather is is exceptional. You know, and I, I think you could easily make the statement that he's the best uh, defensive third baseman in baseball right now, and you certainly want him on the field. I suppose if you were looking for um, options to, to go in there that might might provide a little more offense, you'd go to uh, David Schneider. But unfortunately, if there's anybody cooler at the plate right now than Matt Chapman, it's David Schneider. So I think they stick with Matt Chapman and, and hope he works his way out of it. Um, you know, as, as we all know, uh, players coming off of the injured list, um, uh, off of a stint uh, when, when they've missed a bunch of games, it takes, it takes a little bit of time to get their timing back at the plate. Now, Matt Chapman was struggling long before he went on the injured, injured list, so I don't think they're really banking on a whole lot of offense from him. Just, just you know, a, a, but a, a minimal contribution at the plate would be, would be pretty big for this team right now. And we certainly saw it in April when his, he was a much better hitter than he was last season. And he can obviously hit for some power as well. It's just, uh, uh, for the most part, over the last three months or so, he's been a liability at the plate. Um, and for a team that has been starved for offense at times, that's, that, that doesn't particularly bode well. Everything that they throw to Schneider now is a strike. Is this just baseball kind of having him correct, correct in a quick hurry? Because I, I'm watching it, and the strike zone seems to be bizarre right now for that guy. Yeah, it's, I think it's baseball catching up to a, to a hot hitter who, uh, who came in and, and had an exceptional start to his career. There, there's so much technical stuff done now on the pitching side and the hitting side in terms of video work, and, and teams figure out how to pitch to a guy. And So David Schneider goes four or five games without a hit, then everybody else in terms of future op- opponents looks at what teams were doing to get him out, and I think that's where he is right now. Um, you know, he had some success because nobody knew what to expect from him, and he, and he was certainly riding that hot streak. But I, I guess the best way to put it would be that baseball is caught up with him. And, um, you know, I think they'll keep him around as a bench guy, but I don't think that he would be anywhere near an everyday starter unless, unless he were to find another hot streak at the plate. If you had the right to choose, you are the guy, the starting pitcher for opening uh, a game of the postseason, who would you pick? I think pretty clearly it, it would be Kevin Gosman, and, and and I think that's the way the Jays have it lined up. But there's a, there's a big caveat in there. Um, the way he will work on on his rest is that he would be available to start on Sunday if the Jays needed to win Game One sixty two just to get into the postseason. If they're already in and, the, and they've clinched before Sunday, then then I'm pretty sure he'll start Game One on on, on the on the Tuesday a week from today, and then he'd be followed by. 
like Chris Bassett and and my money would be on Jose Barrios getting getting the third spot, especially after what happened to Denjin Ryu and his latest and and somewhat of a downturn from uh, Yusei Kikuchi over the last month or so. So um, unless they, they try to get too cute about it, I, I would suspect that that's the way that they would go. And if there were a game three in that best of three opening round, it might be more of a, of a bullpen situation with Barrios starting it, but maybe two or three innings and then riding that uh, elite bullpen that the Blue Jays have to see if they can, can finish off the series. Obviously, they would hope to, to win it in two, but that might be asking a lot especially on the road. Well, I read your column, Rob Longley, and I know you're not crazy, but I thank you very much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thanks. All right. Rob Longley from the Toronto Star. Jays are, are the most interesting story this summer in, in, in sports for Canadian fans, I think. The CFL has been fascinating, but there's no, there's no, nothing, no bigger story. Um, and in the wintertime, they were looking at, getting the pitching and they got it sacrificing a catcher i think this winter they'll be looking for another bat it's just the way it works baseball is baseball once you're a contender you need to always be tweaking and they're they're a good ball club you know his point about making the world series is a good one it it could happen do you think the jays will keep chapman i don't know i mean it's tough because you're in a league where offense rules, and yet he's really good at a very, very important position. the The defensive spectrum goes shortstop. I think it's third base, center field. I think that's right. It might be shortstop, center field, third base, but it's right in there. And so much happens over there. So nobody ever says anybody can play third base. That's first base. It's a tough position. The Jays are a lot like the Oilers. Do the little things. The things that should be ingrained in you since eight years old. Don't do the little things. The basics. Ah, I mean, I, I I get mad at Vladdy, but he's been fielding really well. Bichette, like, I, I personally would find a way to move him down the defensive spectrum. But I get why they don't. Because that's, boy, that's inserting another bat. Compare Wilson to Fields. Both suck, but at least you know Fields wants to be there. Doesn't want to leave the play with a concussion versus Zach Wilson dropping to the ground from feeling ghosts around him. And there we go. Jim says, but by saying what he did, that's Broadway Joe being Broadway Joe. I I understand that. I I just think that, that at this point in his career, that maybe, and it's not, it's not isolated. My disappointment in Broadway Joe is uh, pronounced over time. Not that I'm any, you know. I mean, I have my past. (laughs) Mostly with Declan, but it's all good. Daniel Nugent-Bowman from The Athletic on the way at 1.30-ish today. We're going to talk to him about his interview with Vincent DeHarnay, which is up at The Athletic today. We're going to talk about his thoughts on the order's final one or two roster spots and what we might see tomorrow night as I think the Connor McDavid show begins for another year. Okay, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 with Willie on Twang Tuesday. On the road again. That was massive hit. Big time hit. I don't remember the year. 78? Somewhere in there. Maybe 80. Either way, it was a big hit. 
Time flies, man. Time flies. I I just realized that I can walk out. I can I can unlock the lock and I can walk right out the door. I'm Nothing's- a flight risk, and I I I have a flight path. Yeah, flight risk can be loaded up the private jet for you. It's right nah, there. It's well, yeah, you you're all about it. <laughs> it's all in front of you. Jump, jump, low tide. I saw my friend Susan Amarongan just right there. One day I'll tell you a, it's a long story, but I will tell you a, a, the, Susan, one of the really nice people I've ever met in the industry, and about um, something that she did for me that was very sweet. Didn't help me, but she tried many years ago. I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. Uh, remind me of it one day when we have like a good 10 minutes, okay? Um, do you think they would send Holloway down because he's waiver ineligible and keep Lavoie to see what they have from Stu? I don't think so. I don't think they, I think they view Holloway as a top nine forward. So the top nine forwards in my mind are Connor McDavid, duh, uh, Evander Kane and Connor Brown, then Hyman, Dreisaitl, Nuge, then Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, Dylan Holloway. Those nine are keepers. Now, the way the, the roster's set up, they got three more. I think that Derek Ryan and or Matthias Janmark make the team, and then it's a matter of what's left. I think that that if if Brandon Sutter plays well enough to make the team, then it comes down to Ryan versus Lavoie and maybe a trade of Lavoie. That, but I do not see it impacting Dylan Holloway. Low Tide, I used to take my last cup of coffee to bed and left it on my bedside. One coffee a day and now in Jason Little Duke. I have I have a cup of coffee early on, uh, and now it's decaf, so I, I'm just a grumbly bear. And then I have one mm, on the way to work, I'll buy it and I'll drink it during the show, and then that's it. I don't know what that mm was. Um Xavier Burgo reminds me of Yamamoto. If he can be a consistent 15 to 20 goal scorer, it's a win. If not, see you later. Anton Fanders for life from Raider Jesse. Everybody liked Anton Fanders. Not everybody, but a good-looking fella. Nice hair. Low tide, I do not like that jersey. The tan, are they tan? I thought they were brown. The tan-colored pants are horrible. I hate to say it, but Calgary's is nice for Northside, Sam. Well, you agree with our friend Declan here. LT, yeah, baby. Hard to make the Oilers. Isn't that what we want? Let's go. Flood the naysayers with positivity, Mark the Keeper. I don't know how you can be over. I know people can because I'm watching them rip Philip Broberg, who's had, I think, two pretty good games. He's still a young player. Mistakes are going to happen. Remember always, I've said this for like 30 years, well, 20 years on the blog, single events in a game can have great importance with also while also being single events. So what that means is if a guy for an entire year has a, a, a shot share and a goal share at 52% and that's superior to all of his teammates, that's called relative, relative to his teammates, he is superior, and he plays against tougher competition, then that's a good player. Now, Broberg does all of those things except play against tougher competition. That's what we're about to find out. Please don't lose Lavoie on waivers on a cheap trade is all I ask for. It, it's possible. I just don't see it. They're, they just don't have enough players of that quality. And at the deadline, even if you trade him at the deadline, let's say he plays 52 games, scores seven goals. That increases his value. The Teams will go, well, you know, he's played in the NHL. 
Hell, man, go back and look what the Otis got for Tony Salmalainen and Yanni Rita Meter made uh, back in the 06 deadline. That was Kevin Lowe. I think it'll be cool if the number of the jersey is in the oil drop. I think that's what it looks like it's going to be. I like the jersey. Pants are terrible. That's where I am. I, I, I feel the same way. The Heritage Classic is overpriced and a total missed opportunity without an alumni game. Have an alumni game with the 04 Flames who lost the cup final against the 06 Oilers. Would be epic for any generation of fans. Greg, who texts this show way too much, I'm sorry. I think they're doing it because of the ice. That's what I understand. There's not enough ice for the for the drinks. So they went that way. I'm teasing. With the, will the Blue Jays clinch only to get swept again in the playoffs? Well, it's possible, but I, you know, I don't think you should count on that. It's boring if they don't say anything. You're in a sports talk radio. Come on. Well, that's sort of what we were saying. We had a, 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 like a slight disagreement, but I would prefer it to be bigger, like fisticuffs. There will be blood. Remember that movie? Daniel Day-Lewis. I drink. I drink your milkshake. Yeah. His magnus opus. And yeah. he's got a lot of them. Boy, he's a great actor. Yeah, he's the best. I've, I've never gone to a bowling alley since that movie and thought about anything but what he did. <gasps> oh, my God. Uh, but you know what? He was focused. And we need to respect that. Like David looks like Ron Perlman in that outdoor game uniform picture. I don't know what that means, but yeah. Laddie is the lowest lowest first baseman in defensive runs saved or defensive runs for something like that. Whatever it is, it's bad. Okay. Well, as long as we're clear. Chapman's smooth defense is irreplaceable in the playoffs. He can figure it out in the eighth spot. Also, Jay's playoff strategy, easy. Get a lead, pitch Sox innings, six innings, turn it over to the fireman. Acton's figured out how to construct a bullpen. Go Les Expos. Amen to that. Where are we with Gagne and Kajula? Will they carry them and a healthy scratch them like Shore last year? I feel like Gagne is really well-liked in that dressing room. He would play as a scratch without complaints and a good team guy. Well, he's injured right now, so he would have to go eventually to Bakersfield, but he will not be on the active roster opening night. I'm going to say it out loud like a stereotypical Cowboys fan. Power rankings don't mean anything. We weren't even ranked number one after two weeks of the most points, the last least points over the last two weeks. Yeah. It's been a long time for you Cowboy fans. Still flapping the gums. Bleed, 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 bleed. Why don't you win something? Then we can talk. I'm sorry, but the, the Cowboys are in the division of my Eagles. So I, I can't be I can't be backing down on any of that. And you're right too. Like you guys talk you guys talk like it's still the nineties and you're still the world champs. You gotta win something. You gotta do something at yeah. some point. Well, exactly. You know, I mean what are you going to do? I mean, I, the cowboy, my favorite Cowboys quarterback is Tony Romo. You know why? Why? Didn't win anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Danny White, same thing. Loved yeah. him. Well, how, how do you feel about Dak then? I, 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 if he won a Super Bowl, I'd be okay. Cause I think yeah. that, I think he's, I think he's in a tough spot because the owner is mercurial. Yes. Uh, if he, is that, is that okay? Did I say it properly? It's a hard word for me to say. I don't know why it's not Victor Foss. Mm-hmm. As far no. yeah, listen, I'm not great with words. Well documented, but I think you got that one down okay. No, thing is, Dak's got a lot of talent around him. Okay, do I have time for my Susan Amarongan story now? Oh yeah, we got about six seven minutes. Okay, so it's not ten though. You did say ten. But. It's 1986, and I come to town, and Bruce Hogel hired me 
from Regina. And I was coming back home because I li- my parents lived here, and I was very excited to be on the radio and uh, over at the other place. And, and I immediately enjoyed the hell out of it. It was great. I loved it. I used to walk to West Edmonton Village from the radio station sometimes. Sometimes I'd take the bus. Sometimes I'd have the car. But it was a really good life. And the West End at that time was a hustling, bustling metropolis. So it was good. I enjoyed it. Sometimes I'd stop for a, like at a corner bar for a drink, and it was all good, too. It was great. The Jamie Platts wasn't up, but other than that, it was really nice. Okay? So one day they say, oh, we're doing the telethon this weekend. Um, and I didn't know what that was, but all the announcers on the radio side were expected to do segments. And... um well, on television, and I was not a television guy. I believe that I, I still have that, you know, <laughs> reputation, which is fine by me. And, but I had to do television. And so um, I was working with a, a brilliant broadcaster, probably the best broadcaster I've ever worked with, uh, President, uh, President Company Caref- included. Careful. careful. Uh, Cynthia Charles is her name. And she gave me all kinds of great tips about what to do and what not to do when you're on live television. And I was still so nervous. And Susan Ann Morongan was like, she she said, are you nervous? And I said, yes. And so she told me what to do. She said, have an idea about where you're going. Just say what you're going to say into the camera with the bright light. And, you know, you're, you're only going to be on for like eight seconds. Nothing can really happen. So, so um, I did the bit. I did the first segment, and mostly it was on Susan, but I probably was on camera for, I'm going to say, 35 seconds. And I thought I did pretty well. I know I said words out loud that were audible into the microphone, and I was smiling. So I thought, okay. And so I had had three people I was going to call because, number one, I wanted my wife to be proud of me. Number two, I wanted to make sure my mom saw me. And number three, I wanted Cynthia to tell me wh- whether it was good or bad, right? And I, Cynthia was the one person who, very dear person, she would be honest with me. So I called, uh, I called my wife first, and she said, she said, honey, you were great. You look so handsome in your suit. And I said, thank you. And uh, she said, now, you were moving your hands a little bit. <laughs> and I said, well, but you couldn't see that. She goes, oh, no, we could see it. She said, your, your hands were on the camera a lot and you were talking and it looked like you were waving in an airplane. And I did not know that. And so I said, really? She goes, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was very noticeable. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that everybody noticed it. I'm like, okay, thanks, honey. Appreciate it. I'll call you after the next one. So then I called my mom and my mom was like, oh, honey, you were perfect. Nothing was wrong. There's nothing wrong at all. You did so well. There was a little bit of hand movement, but I, I thought it was very sweet. And I said, well, thanks, Mom. Appreciate it. So then I called Cynthia, who's going to give me the actual truth. And all I could hear was laughter. She laughed. And she, she, I, I, I heard the word hands. <laughs> and, and then I knew how bad it must have been because she could not breathe. She was laughing so hard. And, and Susan Amarongan the story about her, she just went by and, and waved at me. The, the beautiful thing about her is such a sweet lady. She, every, we did like six breaks that afternoon. It was a Sunday. And every time she said, okay, still a little bit with the hands, so patient with me. And so uh, my mom was proud of me. My wife was proud of me. But, you know, need, knew that I needed a little work. And I gave the biggest belly laugh of 
probably her life to Cynthia Charles. And that was my story about Susan Amarungan, who was sweet as pie through the entire thing. Yeah, lovely, lovely. She sounds like you need that sometimes. Oh, she's yeah, she just great, and she's yeah. very professional, like great television presenter. Yeah, uh, and and um, many many years over at the uh, at the building there. Anybody trying to blame Nurse for the loss last night? <laughs> the haters must have something to complain about from Den. Uh, you know, I think Broberg's the target, but I don't know why. Um, there were I. Uh, I mentioned who I was not impressed with in the game. Uh, I didn't. Th- I I know everybody loves Adam Ernie. I just don't think he's anything but physical. He doesn't. He doesn't do enough. I don't think to make the team. Carl Berglund is not a great skater, and I don't know if he can make the Condors. And Jaden Groob had a similar kind of a game where where he was. It wasn't like you know how I sometimes say also in photo. It was more like also in still photo. There was not a lot of movement, and Berglund made some decisions that are really you can't do as a center uh, anywhere near the National Hockey League. And let's face it, yesterday, these guys were near the National Hockey League. They were playing most of an NHL team. You sometimes get that. You know, I know people are mad about the Otis losing 5 nothing. I I can't get upset about it. That team was overmatched, and the Otters did it for a reason. Understand, but I think that if you're honest about the game, Holloway, Borgo, Lavoie, Broberg, who did I miss? The, all the young guys who should play well did play well. They didn't score. That's okay. Would have been nice to get one. CeCe almost had one. But the bottom line here is that they they got some experience against a far better team, and they didn't absolutely crash it. Got into some penalty trouble and gave up a couple of power play goals. And I think Pickard let in. I'm going to say the Pionk goal was from distance, and the Gustafson goal was Warner not being able to block out um, – who was it was Gustafson Gustafson got a stick on it and, and deflected it so I mean it, it was a five nothing game and I think that the Jets were probably three goals better just based on roster so maybe a little bad luck here or there that's my take anyway we will ask Daniel Nugent Bowman about his take on that game and about the orders and where they are who might go down that's on the way. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. It's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440, and it's time for an update. It's time for a Sports 1440 update. Sports 1440 update, AJHL action tonight. The Spruce Grove Saints in Canmore to take on the Eagles. Only game in the AJ tonight. Puck drops at 7. And of course, as always, you can watch on flowhockey.tv. Canadian women's national soccer team can punch their ticket to the Olympics tonight as they take on Jamaica out in Toronto. They're up 2-0 on aggregate, and that game goes at 5 p.m. on One Soccer. WNBA News. In her first season with the New York Liberty, Brianna Stewart has been named the 2023 WNBA MVP in the closest three-way race in league history. Stewart and runner-up Alyssa Thomas of the Connecticut Sun were separated by only seven points, the second smallest margin between winner and runner-up in history, while the 13 points between Stewart and Las Vegas Aces Aja Wilson was the third, who was third, marks the narrowest margin between the top three MVP vote-getters in league history. NFL news is the New York Jets are set to sign quarterback Trevor Simeon. Simeon was released by the Bengals in the preseason and will be joining a quarterback room of Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle. CFL news country music superstar Carrie Underwood will perform November 17th as part of the Grey Cup Festival the Hamilton organizing committee announced today. 16 MLB games in 16 games 
in the MLB, excuse me, including the Jays and Yankee at five. The first game of the day, Dodgers and Rockies. That one's going to kick off just after one. I'm Declan Kruger. You're up to date. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.